It's Wednesday, June 10th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Mark Reith, and joining me in studio today from Stock Advisor Micah Robinson and from Champion Shares Pro Mike Olson. Happy Hump Day, guys. Hello. Hello. Happy Hump Day. Good to have you here. Uh, plenty to get to today, folks, including a new high for Netflix and who we think deserves a place in the CEO Hall of Fame. But we begin with Apple and the company's Worldwide Developer Conference, which is in full swing right now. Uh, we've got announcements like iOS 9, Apple Music, Apple News, etc., etc., coming in fast and furious. Of all the things we've seen from the conference over the last few days, Mike, I'll start with you. What do you think are the biggest announcements in terms of Apple's business? What should shareholders be paying attention to? Yeah. So I think Apple Music is pretty interesting, although I don't think it's going to have a large cash flow impact on the business. Uh, it still can uh, certainly increase the. Um, <clears throat> the value of Apple's ecosystem, sure. which is what makes us keep paying premium prices for their hardware. Uh, the other thing that I think is super important is iOS 9, and I can use kind of a uh, my own specific example. I used to have an iP- iPhone 4, and I had to upgrade because the, the memory was just uh, too low. I couldn't upgrade to the new iOS 8 at the time. Hmm. Uh, and <laughs> Apple has a wonderful way of upgrading, upgrading their operating system and taking more memory from your phone, thereby, <laughs> <laughs> thereby making Apple uh, users... Uh, Upgrade to the next largest iPhone, iPad, whatever it may be. Right. Uh, so it's genius. There's also some really cool features that I think also add to the ecosystem, which again keeps us paying premium prices. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think those are the two things that are the most important from uh, from what we've seen so far. All right, Mike Olson, what about you? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a lot which is particularly uh, differentiated from what Mike is saying here. I think there are a lot of incremental advancements right here. You know. They're doing interesting things in terms of adding health features to HealthKit, expanding mm-hmm. the suite of offerings in in the watch. Apple Pay has wider adoption. You have Apple Music. Um, I think Apple Music, even if you were to go ahead and assume they can meaningfully scale this business, get a lot of users, and earn outsized margins, um, the the empirical evidence thus far is that not many of the streaming players can make a lot of money right. on streaming itself and even if they are able to because they're operating at scale or Apple is um, they it's probably only going to offset what declines they see in downloads um, as Micah said mm-hmm. it is an incremental advancement and improvement on what network or the sort of networked ecosystem offering mm-hmm. they have that's important just because you know part of the reason people are willing to pay premium prices for the hardware is that you have this this sort of integrated seamless ecosystem here right. at the end of the day you know does this make you any more or less bullish on Apple stock? No. Um, if anything, it gives you more confidence in the management team. They realize that there's very that the reason that they are keeping people paying paying these premium prices is because of the ecosystem, absolutely. and they're and yeah. they're advancing that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this is only day two of the WWDC. Still two more days to go. Plenty more to come from Apple. Definitely keep an eye on that. In other news, Netflix just blew past its previous 52-week high with a couple of new announcements. Uh, The first one we'll start with uh, is the acquisition of Brad Pitt's new movie, War Machine, which Netflix spent $30 million to acquire. That's their biggest acquisition yet. Uh, Mike, it seems like they're they're growing bolder with these acquisitions. First, it was I think it was the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon sequel. <laughs> then it was four Adam Sandler movies. It seems like they're stepping up their game now. With uh, Brad Pitt's company, uh, B Films, and Brad Pitt himself are both big draws. This movie is already slated for awards come Oscar season. Uh, I, I really like what Netflix is doing here. 
Yeah, so um, I, I don't mean to be the perpetual sort of cloud, um, <laughs> but but uh, I think you know I think this is interesting, mm-hmm. um, but I also think it's kind of a sideshow. You know, this the movie itself might create something of a halo around Netflix in that you know some consumers who are at the margin or prospective members might be attracted, but it's not really consequential. Um, They're not necessarily going to be able to monetize this. It is not going to give them meaningful influence over the content producers, Mm. and it isn't really a meaningful foray into Netflix becoming a content production company. Content production, as that price tag would indicate, is a very expensive business. Perhaps if you're thinking very, very, very long term here and you're saying, all right, Netflix is going to become a very large company and they may be able to invest in content, it's good from a brand equity standpoint to establish themselves as an attractive place to work. And bringing Brad Pitt on board is obviously that's sort of a feather in their cap. Uh, with a chiseled jaw like that, it's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, God. Uh, Great win. God bless. Beautiful. Micah, the announcement that really may move the bottom line for Netflix is their expansion to Italy, Spain, and mm-hmm. Portugal by October of this year. Uh, right off the bat, that should give Netflix uh, roughly an additional 1 million subscribers. But that obviously is going to grow because market penetration is going to be low at the very beginning. Sure. Uh, Netflix has plans to expand to 200 companies by the end of 2016. With moves like this, it seems like that is not going to be an issue reaching that that goal. No, and I think they've set by 2016 they want to be launched basically across the world. Right. And when you look at their penetration uh, globally, which I think is still roughly around 5% for uh Households that that fall within that market, uh, they still have a very long way to go. Now, there's certainly a very large cost uh, to be borne by Netflix by moving into these uh, these new markets uh, based on on infrastructure. But it's very good to see that Netflix is taking the next step to try and attack those markets. Mm. Uh, it's probably not going to be without hiccups, uh, but it certainly uh, can can move the the needle for the long term for Netflix. Absolutely. Uh, shares of Netflix, by the way, are up over 6% today. Yeah. They're up over 100% since January. With any stock uh, that moves like this, we always have to talk about the risk of a pullback, and especially for Netflix, which has never hesitated to send its shareholders on a roller coaster ride. <laughs> yeah. uh, Micah, we'll start with you. Do you guys see a pullback on the horizon? Um, on the horizon, I don't know if I see a pullback on the horizon. It, it's it's obviously can be a volatile stock, so yeah, it, it definitely could happen. But if you're thinking long term with this company, given just how low their penetration rate is globally, I think um, you know it, it, it's not going to really matter in the grand scheme of things. Mm. Uh, but you know, six percent, it, it, it's an expensive stock. There certainly could be a pullback. January. Yeah, this is insane. Uh, Mike, valuation wise, what do you think of Netflix? Yeah, so I think one thing that we really want to bear note of here is the move today is entirely predicated on just mumbo jumbo. This is because yeah. they said they're going to go ahead and split the stock, <laughs> right? And people are saying, oh, people will be attracted to the stock. It's just going to draw dumb money in. You don't want those investors. Um, as for the valuation itself. Um, there's kind of a complicated soup in this, just because Netflix, they are not a content producer. The extent to which they wield influence with the content producers is sort of an open question. And as they become ever larger and draw more subscribers from the cable companies, that is another stakeholder group with which they need to go ahead and prove they have that sort of influence. Mm. I did some chicken scratch math when I was about to come in here. Right now, they have about 40 million subs worldwide. Uh, if they were to get to 200 million, which is a 5x increase, 
And then they can earn those 30 to 40% operating margins, which are akin to what cable companies do. So again, you're talking about a leap because there are a number of stakeholder groups involved in this. Um, You'd have a stock that's trading at 8 to 10 times earnings. And that's something that is very far out on the horizon. So can they do it? Possibly. Um, Is it a very undervalued or obviously undervalued stock? I don't know. I mean, I think... You know, if I'm thinking about Netflix shares right now, the question I'm asking myself is: Is their brand concept and the sort of offering they have will it have resonance overseas, and can they operate at scale within some sort of threshold period? If you think the answer to that is yes, you're probably interested in the shares. Hmm. If you're questionable on that, maybe you wait for them to go ahead and have some sort of utterly confusing earnings report. <laughs> yeah, and, and one last thing, Mark, is I think if you consider kind of the low penetration rate, and then also it's a growing market. As developing countries get streaming capabilities, there's going to be more more households to get Netflix into. Right. Obviously, that's a long-term thought, uh, but it's something else to consider for, for Netflix. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, last but certainly not least, we got an email this morning from Shiraz Sedeno uh, earlier today. Shiraz is listener number 3,485, which seems a bit high, but he asks if we can discuss discuss Glassdoor's highest-rated CEOs. For those of you out there who don't know it, Glassdoor is a website where employees can rate their company in a variety of metrics, uh, wages, benefits, pay, and, of course, management. Uh, I should mention here that The Motley Fool has been declared the best company to work for with under 1,000 employees in the U.S., for two years running now. No big deal. I just, I just wanted to mention that. No big just deal. Saying. Just saying. Uh, so the question Shiraz asks is if we can, uh, if we agree or disagree with some of these ratings, and I'll run through just the top five real quick. Uh, Larry Page from Google, Mark G. Parker from Nike, Charles Butt from HEB, which I had to look up. Uh, is It's a grocery yep. uh, chain called Here Everything's Better, yep. which I love. <laughs> uh, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook and Scott Share from Ultimate Software. Uh, uh, Shiraz asks us if we agree or disagree. I don't feel like we are in a place to agree or disagree with employees. Yeah. Uh, they probably know a bit better than we do what's going on internally. But still, were there any surprises, Micah, on this list for you? Anyone who you think is missing from this list? Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some surprises when you think about it from like an investor standpoint. I mean, mm-hmm. you'd obviously consider Warren Buffett or someone like that to be on there. But again, this is looking from the inside. Um, one thing that I did notice at about 29 is uh, Blake Nordstrom, who uh, mm-hmm. is Nordstrom is a, uh, a Sarah Hoff stock, something uh, a company she really likes. Uh, but he is a fantastic CEO. Uh, and it's good to see him in the top thirty. I think he could actually be in the top top fifteen. Hmm. Uh, but uh, that's just you know a hidden gem out there. Nice. <laughs> what about you, Mike? You see anyone you don't think belongs or think should be higher up? I, I mean, I'm going to take a, a slightly different slant on this question, which is to say, what surprises me and why this is relevant. Hmm. Um, and I'm less interested in the the companies of the day or the more fashionable companies showing up on the top 100 list because you more or less expect them to. People are excited to work at these companies because they're of the times. To the contrary, I'd probably be surprised or concerned if they did not show up. A lot of these companies are human capital organizations. Hmm. And part of the reason they've been able to be successful is because they've attracted these people and because people are happy to work there. If they aren't showing up there or they're declining in the ratings, then I'm concerned. What is interesting to me is when you see these sort of oddball companies in an environment where you would 
otherwise not be particularly excited to work hmm. showing up on there. And so, you know, when you see like what kind of environment? Well, when you see when you see a grocer show H-E-V. up there, H-E-V. right? Here, I, I mean, better. when I when I saw that, I was just like, well, that's a tragically named CEO. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Monsanto, I think, might have been there Monsanto too. Monsanto is yeah. number six, which I was impressed by. Uh, yeah. Goldman Sachs, Lloyd C. Blankfein is number seven. Uh, there are a couple of names up here I, d- I just didn't think would be higher than, say, I don't know, uh, like a, a LinkedIn or a Yelp, which, as you mentioned, they're the companies of the day. They're attracting these young talent by doing the Google thing with the nap pods and right, the, the right, free right. meals and the buses to work. And yet they're still being beaten out by a grocer, and t- a privately owned grocery and an investment store. Banker. And mm-hmm. an investment banker. Well, yeah, I guess you can consider comp at the investment bank. Sure. <laughs> right. Sure. Right. Fair I, enough. I, and I, I think that's kind of the, that's the other point here, which is broadly speaking, you know, high levels of CEO approval are indicative of something good because people who are unhappy to work at an organization, they aren't necessarily going to rate their CEO highly. But it's also not necessarily indicative of what's going on um, because culture doesn't necessarily translate from the CEO top down right. or all the way down. There can be, you know, sort of siloed organizations, anything of the like. It risks sort of a, a heuristic-driven view of this. I mean, an example, Northwestern Mutual has a 95% CEO rating, mm-hmm. but the Glassdoor rating is 3.7. That's not bad, but it doesn't necessarily take it off the charts. Right. Um, I'm interested, like I said, when you see one of these companies that is sort of a droll environment and they also have a high rating. So an example here is Costco. We know they treat their employees very well. We know they give them a living wage. We know they're cognizant about hours and the like. Their CEO, Craig Jonick, has a 93% uh, rating, and he has, I think they have a four rating on Glassdoor. Right. Yep. For a place like that, that's impressive. Then if we wanted to go ahead and talk about one that I think deserves a spot on there, this is sort of a foolish favorite, and it's no secret that I am also a fan of this company, Markel. They are a sleepy sort of rich Wait, you like Markel? Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. Amazing. Revelatory. Uh-huh. Surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've never looked at insurance companies before. <laughs> no, I've never even thought of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, great question, Shiraz. Uh, any more questions can be sent our way to radio at fool.com. Michael Robinson, Mike Olson. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Mark Reith. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.